0: and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes where we discuss the history of the New York Yankees. If you're new to the show, the goal of the Historic Pinstripes show is as always to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. Again, my name is Brian and I've been a diehard Yankees fan since I was about seven years old. Before we start the show, I just wanted to start off by talking a little bit about Opening Day yesterday, or Opening Night rather. The New York Yankees, or the current New York Yankees, um, they beat the Washington Nationals. However, it was only five innings, but at least there was baseball um, finally after all the all of the COVID-19 stuff that had been going on. So it was good just to get back, and um, even though there weren't no fans in the stands, it was just good to see baseball back. Um, Garrett Cole, um, the uh, he he went out there and pitched just like just as advertised, uh, basically through a complete game, um, c- considering the rain delay. So because the game had finished, uh, obviously five innings, it's an official game. He went five innings, five strikeouts, uh, one run, which was given up on the home run by Adam Eaton, and that was pretty much it. That was actually the only hit the Nationals had at that point. Um, uh, and Judge uh, and Stanton, they both um they both were very very good yes last night so it's a good that was a good sign for the yankees anyway they need those two guys especially to stay healthy um but considering it's a short season only like only 60 60 some games or so that could help aaron judge and stay staying out um hopefully uh be able, they'll be able to stay healthy the whole year um Course, Giancarlo Stanton hit that bomb to left field. It was like 459 feet, I think. Two run home run off of Max Scherzer in the first inning. Um he also had an RBI single scoring Urshela in the fifth inning. Three RBIs altogether for Giancarlo and uh Judge had an RBI as well. He had a double. Um and I believe he had a base hit in the first inning as well. Um his double came in the third inning scored Tyler Wade. Um Tyler Wade also had a good game. He had a a single and a walk. Um so I mean the, the Yankees looked so far so good anyway it was only five innings but they they got the job done anyway um they were able to get the win because it, it was an official game when the rain came and tomorrow night we got our second game um for the yankee season um of course there's a lot more games coming out today and it's good to have baseball back and that's basically my overall reaction to last night's game it's just good to see baseball come back and and um yeah so now, without any uh, further deliberation, I just want to get on with this week's episode, With which this week's episode is kind of a bonus episode for this week. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a bonus episode since um, the past weeks there haven't been as many episodes, but this episode is on uh, my top five favorite Yankees of all time and why, and this is just my own personal favorite, um, favorite top five uh, Yankees. Um so and if you have your own top five and you'd like to share them maybe on Twitter, um you can share uh, just feel free to tag me at historic NYY. I would love to see everybody else's the first player I wanted to mention, uh one of my favorite Yankees of all time, Dom Mattingly, number twenty three, of course. Dom Mattingly. um when I first started watching the Yankees back in like uh 1989, 1990 or so. It was around nineteen eighty nine, um Don Mattingly, of course, he he had been he he was the star of the Yankees, of course, and um, by that time he was already starting to get injured a little bit more. But I I still always liked Don Mattingly because of the way he played. He always played hard. He always wanted to play regardless of if he was hurt or not. Um, of course he became the captain, and he was when he was the captain he was a leader. He he wanted he the the way he played he expected everybody else to uh to just hustle and and do everything the right way. Um, and, and he was, in a lot of ways, Don Mattingly kind of like, he was kind of a mentor, he was a mentor for guys like Derek Jeter, uh, Mariano Rivera, and all those guys. Um, they, like, if it wasn't for Don Mattingly, um, I mean, not that, because when you get to the major leagues, everybody's really, really talented. But sometimes you you still need those guys who are those really good leaders to help you move forward, like I've talked about before in the top five captains episode. However, another reason why I really like to watch Don Manley was his defense. Obviously, Don Manley was a great defensive first baseman, even when he was hurt. I think he won four gold gloves after 1990, which was pretty much after his prime. Um, of course, the bad back had a lot to do with that being after his prime. But even when he played, I mean, I think the only year, 1990 and maybe 91, um, he. He, he still put up some decent numbers, um, d- despite the injuries. I mean, they weren't what they were nowhere near what he put up from 1984 to 1989. I guess, um, uh, which I don't really remember those years very much. I was very young. However, uh, Don Mattingly in um, th- that stretch from 1984 to 89, he was like a Hall of Fame type of player. If it, so it's really a shame for 1990 and ni- to 95. I guess um, he wasn't able to uh, to 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 be the same player as he was but that's just kind of how how it went for him and also that's in a lot of ways that's kind of how the legend of Don Manningly became I mean obviously when he started out he was a really really talented player and um and so another thing I wanted to mention about Don Manningly was the hustle um just every single day he just he went out there and he just um he just gave it his all no matter what um no matter if the team was out of it or not and not of course 1990 there were and that was their worst year, I think It might be their worst year ever um, Or at least their worst year in a very long time They lost 95 games that year um, So, anyways Don Mattingly's uh, one of my favorite player, Favorite Yankees of all time Derek Jeter is another one, of course um, Most Yankee fans, I'm sure um, is the same way for them uh, Derek Jeter, of course, the captain um, uh, Another thing Derek Jeter, a lot of the things I said about Don Manningly, You could kind of say about Derek Jeter And some of it some of that, like I said before, um, you know, Don Mattingly was kind of like a mentor to guys like Jeter, Bernie, and all those guys. Um, however, though, Derek Jeter was also he had a very good upbringing from his his parents, um, Dorothy Jeter and uh, or Mrs. Jeter and and Dr. Jeter, uh, Dr. Charles Jeter, and uh, Jeter was just uh, a great leader. Like he was, he was a great leader before he was the captain. And when he was a rookie in 1996, he really it really didn't seem like he was a rookie because like even a lot of veterans had said that like he didn't he didn't seem like a typical rookie um he just he kind of just fit right in with everybody else um so that uh then just kind of seeing how Derek Jeter came from rookie league to um from rookie league and making 56 errors in rookie league and basically not being sure if he wanted to keep going forward of course he did but I mean it it that he had a lot of there was a lot of steps along the way that a lot of things he had to overcome and when things seemed the toughest Jeter always seemed to rise to the occasion and um and that's one thing about dirt Jeter that I always um kind of I guess uh admired um so uh, another thing is of course like Mattingly the hustle uh Jeter always hustled um another thing about Jeter too I wanted to mention was about um and this is more speaks to how sometimes Jeter got a little bit underrated. And, um, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, so he's not underrated. But the whole Nomar, A-Rod, and Jeter debate, uh, um, during that time period, you could very well say that Jeter was the third best. However, there were a lot of things that Jeter did that Nomar and A-Rod didn't do. Like with Jeter, it was the instincts and his clutch hitting. Nomar and uh, A-Rod, Nomar anyway, might have been a might have had more range defensively um however jeter i think was more sure-handed defensively um maybe might not have had as much range as nomar um however a rod was just a phenomenal talent he didn't need peds at all um but uh even even a rod someone who was just he was the first overall pick in in the draft i think back in 1994 or 93 or so um however like he was he was one of the best all around athletes, but even like uh arod Jeter was still he still there are still things that he was better better at than arod as far as um like I said before the instincts and the clutch hitting and of course that that's another thing that I think is admirable like to just to see him kind of um overcome obstacles and just not even overcome obstacles and that's another thing about Derek Jeter is it doesn't really matter how talented a player is. Um, If you don't come through in the biggest moments, like A-Rod later in his career with the Yankees, A-Rod had a tough time in the playoffs, and he just couldn't really get the the knack for getting the big hit. But Derek Jeter, that's something that, I mean, he didn't always get the big hit. And yes, Derek Jeter would have some tough games here and there. But overall, throughout his whole time with the Yankees, he played a lot of postseason games. And his career batting average in the postseason was, I think it was pretty much the same. It was like 308 and his career batting average in the regular season was 310. Or maybe I flip-flopped him, but it was something like that. So, I mean, to be that consistent um, from postseason to regular season just shows you how great a player Derek Jeter was. Um, so, um, and and mostly when I say he, Jeter can be underrated, it's more defensively because, like I said, with Nomar, he might have had more range, but Jeter was probably more sure-handed anyway. Um, but that's just my opinion anyway. Um and Jeter also, he had five gold gloves as well. So he was a very good defensive um, shortstop. Um, but maybe earlier on, he might not have been as good as he became when he was in his prime. Um, but anyways, another thing about Jeter, uh, you know, of course, whenever he came up to the plate, I think it was Paul O'Neill had said that he always believed he was going to get a hit. And I, I guess O'Neill just used to, used to he, he, would, he couldn't really understand it because I guess there was a lot of, Players, I believe that's what he said. Um, I think I had heard that in a Yankeeography, and O'Neill had said that um, he couldn't really understand it because because a lot of players don't always feel like that. Most players don't because when you're having a bad game and you just you just feel like you don't have it at all, and and it's just you just want to can't wait for the game to be over so you get to the next game. But Jeter wasn't like that. He always believed no matter how badly he did the the at bat before the next at-bat who's going to be the at-bat that's going to get him out of the slump um and that's the thing right there that says a lot about Derek Jeter and just how he goes about his business and he just um he just believes in himself and believes in the team and wants to help the team win um and of course some other things about Jeter obviously like I mentioned before he was such a great clutch hitter and his longevity um with the Yankees uh, of course and another thing too I wanted to mention was about how When like his dream, his dream of being a a New York Yankee, kind of like Eric Cole in a way, but more so like because Jeter was drafted by the Yankees. Obviously, he had the dream of being a Yankee, the Yankee shortstop at seven years old. Um, So I think that right there is obviously always admirable to any Yankee fan. Um, And uh, so Derek Jeter is another one of my favorite Yankees of all time. Another one I wanted to mention, who I've kind of already mentioned a little bit before, uh, Paul O'Neill. Another one of my favorite Yankees of all time. Obviously, the Yankees got him in one of the best trades the Yankees have ever made. Um, it was, uh, I think it was around 19, the offseason of 92, I believe. Um, yeah, the offseason of 92, I believe it was, uh, the Yankees traded um, Roberto Kelly from the Yankees to, uh, to the Reds for Paul O'Neill. There might have been somebody else in that deal, too, but that was the main, that was the main trade. I, I think it might have been just uh, Roberto Kelly for Paul O'Neill. But I'm not positive if there was one other person in the deal. However, that was one of the best trades the Yankees ever made because Paul O'Neill. Um, I mean Roberto Kelly at the time he was. I think he had made the All-Star team in 1990 or 91 or something like that. I think it was 1990. Of course, the Yankees like I said they were in last place that year. However, um, Paul O'Neill was not really doing that well with the Cincinnati Reds before the Yankees had gotten him. But the Gene Mike I believe it was Gene Michael had talked to Lupinella. Who obviously was the manager of the Cincinnati Reds back in 1990, 91, 92? At the time when Paul O'Neill was there, and Pinella, being the former Yankee um, and th- the manager then of the Reds, um, said that said that they should definitely give Paul O'Neill a shot, especially with that right field porch. And and um and I guess Paul O'Neill he wasn't really a pull hitter, but he was a line drive hitter. And um, of course being a lefty, I mean he was a perfect fit for Yankee Stadium in my opinion. And uh, defensively in right field, I mean, he wasn't the best right. Like he wasn't the best athlete. It wasn't the most athletic right fielder out there. But he was, a, a. I think he was a very good defensive right fielder. I mean, he had a he had a pretty good arm. And um, he, he also made some very good plays out there. Like I said, Paul O'Neal, even though he wasn't a pole hitter, a home run hitter, and he played his prime years with the Yankees. And a big part of his success was Yankee Stadium because he hit, he did probably hit, end up hitting more home runs in Yankee Stadium being a left-handed hitter. And one thing about Paul O'Neill is he said that he uh, he was always more of a line drive hitter and he wished he could have hit more home runs out to right field um, where they had the bullseye signs, the O in O'Neill. He was also a leader. And when I say Paul O'Neill was a leader, yes, they had Manningly and they had Jeter, but sometimes you also need other guys in the clubhouse that are going to, gonna that, it can't just be one guy that leads. It's just usually a group of guys. Like last year with CC Sabathia and Brett Gardner and probably Aaron Judge and maybe a couple of other guys here and there. Um, however, so, I mean, like, Paul O'Neill was kind of like... In a lot of ways, it was kind of like the leader in between Don Manningly and Derek Jeter. Even though, I mean... I guess you could say 96 year kind of was like a leader because he did blend in very well. Everybody has to chip in and and it's just, it's not just on one player to lead the team. And a lot of times it's just players that lead by example, like Derek Jeter, Don Mattingly and Paul O'Neill. Um, another thing about Paul O'Neill is just the way he just, he was just so passionate about the game of baseball. And he, like he always expected a lot out of himself and like he, he would go like, if he struck out, um, even if he struck out once, he would just the water coolers would go like flying. Obviously, that's not not really the best way to handle things. But Paul O'Neill it just shows the passion that Paul O'Neill had and how badly he really wanted to get a hit every single time out there, and he just wanted to do his best for the team. And if he didn't feel like he did his job for the Yankees, his team, he felt like he didn't do his job, and obviously he felt bad about it. Uh, that's another reason why I really kind of. In a way, I kind of admired Paul O'Neill because he wanted to help his team. And he probably felt like, you know, obviously he was getting paid a lot of money to help the Yankees. And he probably felt like he really um, kind of let them down at times. Even though there were a lot of times, I'm sure, he, of course, he, um, he definitely did not let them down. Um, and Paul O'Neill is also one of the best Yankee right fielders of all time. And I know, I think when I did my top five Yankee right fielder episodes, um, I don't think I put Paul O'Neill in the top five right fielders. Um, However, um, he he's definitely like in the top 10 right fielders. And the Yankees have had quite a few really good right fielders in the league. I mean, they had Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, Reggie Jackson, um, Hank Bauer, Tommy Heinrich, uh, Paul O'Neill, And I think there were a couple other guys, too, um, that I might be forgetting about at this moment. Um, and moving on to another one of my favorite Yankees of all time is, of course, the incomparable Mariano Rivera uh Mariano Rivera was he had remarkable consistency throughout his career played 19 seasons of course I think it was the first year in 1995 that was his made his major league debut of course with um he came up with Derek Jeter end up going back down cuz I think he made a bad start and um uh Jeter went along with them too um of course Rivera came back up uh, but that was after I guess the Yankees had started thinking about trading Mariano cuz he was a starting pitcher back in 1995 um and at that time they didn't think he was gonna amount to very much and I guess they were thinking about trading him I'm, I'm not sure if they were thinking about trading him in 96 for Felix Vermeen, but I know they were thinking about trading him in 95 too I think it was 95 they were thinking about trading him for Felix Fermin uh, who was a shortstop but anyways um they ended up not doing that I guess he uh he ended up pitching there was one game where he pitched. He ended up throwing like ninety-five miles an hour or something. But it was something that was he had not really ever done. And um, they said uh, they told G. Michael to bring him right back up there, and he did. And um, of course, the rest of his rest is history. And uh, he came up in nineteen ninety-five. Um, toward the end of the year, I think, stayed on the team the whole way through. He was a part of the nineteen ninety-five uh, the run to uh, the ALDS Anyway, but um, he he was a part of that he helped them in the bullpen um uh, and actually really in game five of the american league division series against seattle mariano rivera um but probably i think he would have been a better choice than jack mcdowell bringing him in but i mean that's just what it could have showed have anyway um and and at the same time too you, you never know what's going to happen if things change mariners had a really really good team so um there's a lot a lot of a lot that could happen if you go back and change one thing something else will change but however um so like i said he was a field starter and so he had to show a lot of persistence and he never really quit actually mariano rivera was also he started when he signed with the Yankees i think it was around ninety one or so or 1990 i'm not sure exactly when was he signed but he he um he was actually a second baseman and um i think they wanted him to be a pitcher so that's they kind of turned him into a pitcher and um so i mean it, uh, just the way he had to pers- be per- so persistent and it took him quite a while to get to where he was um it it took a lot of time and just the faith that he had and obviously faith in god and his loyalty to the yankees um he was just always very grateful and and he was just such a great um it, just a great person for any kid to uh to look up to um, and, and in a lot of ways too. Another thing about Mariano that I really kind of admired was the way he passed the torch to all all players. Like, like in the All Star game, I guess uh, Roy Halliday was always trying to pick his brain, and uh, Derek Jeter and some of the other guys, Jorge Posada, um, they would get on Jeter, uh, they would get on Rivera because uh, Mariano Rivera actually showed Halliday how to throw his cutter, and after that, Halliday just kind of took took right off and and. Uh, that he went from there. Rivera, like Jeter and like uh, Don Mattingly, was the consummate professional. And um, Mariano Rivera is—he's definitely the greatest closer of all time. 1996, of course, being the setup man for John Wetlands' first year, his first full season, anyway. Um, he he had a he had a great year that year. It was they had the that's when they had the six-two-one formula. But a lot of times he would. Um, I think if Kenny Rogers was pitching or maybe Doc Gooden, um, who was, I think, a little bit older at the time. Um, but a lot of times some pitchers would go five innings, Mariano for, th- for three, and then John Wetland for one, of course. Um, but sometimes Mariano would, I think he might have gotten a couple saves that year too, but I'm not positive on that anyway. Um, of course, he was the greatest closer of all time. Um, there's also that meme out there that says that, that more men have walked on the moon than have, uh, have walked against Mariano Rivera in the postseason. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, of course, was the two home runs. He was only allowed two home runs in his entire postseason career. Um, and, of course, that was to Jay Payton of the Mets in 2000. Um, and the other one was in the American League Division Series 1997. Um, I believe that was Game 5 or so, or Game 4. Um, it was a walk-off. Uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. hit a home run and those were the only two home runs that he ever gave up in his postseason career and of course he played 19 seasons um, he of course the all-time saves leader and he's also the all-time leader of games finish with 952 um, which is pretty remarkable as well but anyways moving on to another guy the last guy I wanted to mention was Bernie Williams Bernie Williams is another one of my favorite Yankees uh, he's a leader by example clutch hitter i mean and another thing that i really liked about bernie williams was it took him a while to get going like um the first few years in his yankees career he he, uh, he really didn't didn't become a star until like 1995 that's when really, he really he really that was just, like his breakout year um so just kind of seeing him from 1991 to 95 and even '94, he did start playing a lot better too. '93, you could see the progression, how much better he was getting. Of course, um, George Steinbrenner did want to trade him, but uh, the fact that Gene Michael was was um, he really believed in Bernie, so he believed that if they, you know, if they showed some loyalty, Bernie was going to eventually um, show how how good he was. And it was obviously great that they did not trade him. Um, but anyways, like I was saying, Bernie Williams clutch hitter um, of course with the 1996 American League ALCS game one uh, walk-off home run in the 11th inning 1995 American League division series um, he he had a great series that against the Mariners 96 in the first round he had a great series 96 in the ALCS like I mentioned the walk-off home run in the game one but he also had a great series in that series um he, he was he was in the postseason bernie williams was one of the best postseason hitters of all time really and also bernie was very humble and he was like the first yankee to develop like i said before and he really paved the way for guys like jeter and posada and uh and and all those guys of course uh, another thing that like um kind of a pet thief is is like the uh the, the core four thing is that something i mean obviously i can see why they did that because i think they did that more for like more for like a marketing perspective which makes sense and plus also um pettit posada jeter and rivera they all played they all came up together and then they pretty much ended their careers around the same time bernie was already he had already finished his career before them unfortunately so i mean i'm sure they would have included him in that if he if he hadn't um yeah if he hadn't finished by 2006 however he really he was a little bit older than Jeter Posada Pettit and Rivera so he really kind of paved the way for them and if it wasn't for them if he hadn't worked out and George Steinbrenner had ended up trading Bernie Williams like a lot of other young players before Bernie then who knows maybe Jeter Posada Pettit Rivera would have been playing for the Tigers or the Indians as strange as that might sound obviously that's not the case and they were all great yankee um great yankee players um and, uh, of course, Bernie, which hitter for the Yankees, and um, he was very valuable in their lineup. Uh, Joe Torre could basically put him anywhere in the lineup. I think mostly he hit fourth, sometimes third, sometimes fifth or sixth maybe, but usually around uh, cleanup or fifth or, th- or third. But before I get on with ranking my top five favorite Yankees, I just want to mention my, uh, my current favorite Yankee, um, which is Brett Gardner, or otherwise known as Gardy um Brett Gardner of course he was a walk on at College of Charleston in South Carolina and I guess he actually he got cut the first time he he walked on and I guess he I think he he ended up getting another tryout somehow and he made the team eventually um in his in his first year in college and that's how he got on the team so it was just that that's and that's really kind of kind of kind of a great example of how Brett Gardner's career has been Um, early on with the Yankees like when Brett Gardner first started in 2008 um, he he was more of a backup it seemed kind of as a fourth outfielder he was kind of used as a pitch runner a lot Um, even in 09 too obviously the Yankees had a really good team in 2009 anyways but it took him a while to become the Yankee starter but again like like Derek Jeter and even uh, uh, Don Mattingly not that Brett Gardner Is a Hall of Fame player by any means, but Brett Gardner is a very good baseball player, and he just does a lot of really good things for the Yankees. Like he he can hit for power, speed, plays really, really good defense. He's very fast, Um, even at his age of 36 years old currently. Of course, he's the longest tenured Yankee. Brett Gardner is just—he's another one that he, he always hustles, and that's another thing that I really like to see about. I think all fans like to see players hustle. And um, another thing about Gardy is Gardy's clutch. Um, whenever you need a guy in, the, in a key spot or you need a key hit, usually Gardy's always there to uh, come through. Gardner probably isn't as clutch as like, a guy like Bernie Williams was in the prime of his career. Um, or he's probably not as clutch as Derek Jeter uh, or Reggie Jackson, but he's still a clutch hitter. And, um, and, and I th- I th- he kind of reminds me a little bit of Paul O'Neill just because of the passion that he brings to the Yankees. And, but in a lot of ways, Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, they all had the passion um, to play for the Yankees, of course, and to play baseball. But, I mean, it's just I think Gardner and Paul O'Neill, they just kind of they showed their emotion a little bit more than uh, Bernie, Jeter, and uh, and Mattingly. Um, even though Jeter would show his emotion at times, and so would Mattingly and the others. But but it was just in a different way. There were... It's just kind of, kind of a little bit different, but they, they were all great Yankees, and they all kind of, they're great examples for any player who wants to grow up and play baseball or play for the Yankees. So now I just want to mention that the historic pinstripes is a proud member of the forty forty one media family, um, with other podcasts such as movie theater time machine, honest fitness talk with your trainer Nick, psych your crime free your geek, and other streamers as well. And you can feel free to check out 4041media uh, at www.4041media.com. Um, and my top five favorite Yankees of all time are Don Mattingly, Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, and Paul O'Neill in that order. And um, the, so that's my top five. What's your top five favorite Yankees? Feel free to let me know. Um, you can feel free to email me at historicpinstripes@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, You can feel free to tweet the show at HistoricNYY, and you can also feel free to comment on Facebook, and you can feel free to comment on Instagram at HistoricPinstripes. So thank you everyone for listening, and as always, go Yankees!